On this episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be talking about return on time and the idea of passively active investing. Before we go on, keep in mind that I'm not a financial advisor, so everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, what is passively active investing? And yes, this is a, basically a term I made up, um, but I think it kind of encapsulates the philosophy behind a strategy like Theta Engine. And uh, the idea behind this episode and why this topic came up is because, as you guys know, you know, I've been doing these podcasts for a while and putting a lot of content out there. And the primary sort of system that I've been sharing is, you know, Theta Engine and the Trinity system. Obviously, I do podcasts on various topics, too. But the kind of main, you know, uh, strategy, if you will, is, is this Trinity system and Theta Engine. And so... You know, there's been some skepticism online uh, on the strategy, the philosophy, and kind of the mechanics as well, especially the use of stops. And this is fine because, you know, skepticism doesn't generally mean that you're wrong necessarily, right? Sometimes people just misunderstand uh, the idea you're trying to put forth, or maybe they simply disagree, you know, which is fine because obviously with trading, uh, there is oftentimes no perfect answer, right? What is right or wrong for someone really depends on their goals, you know, risk tolerance, demeanor, personality, lots of things, right? And so I want to take a chance to kind of talk about, for me, you know, having come all this way and sharing all this content, you know, for me, what I see kind of as the role or the purpose of something like Data Engine. And so I want to make it clear that just because a lot of my podcast is focused on this strategy, right? It doesn't mean it's the best one or not even necessarily something that everyone should be doing to a large capacity, right? Because you can always do multiple strategies. I've talked about return stacking, diversification of strategies. And really the idea of Theta Engine now I see, and especially for people who are newer to the podcast, is kind of to give you a, you know, a system and a framework and kind of a sandbox to learn about options, right? And there's different, right, if you listen from, you know, the beginning of Data Engine, you know, including Bomb Shelter, all the episodes like expectancy hacking and credit targeting. And the idea is to teach, you know, complicated topics like leverage, right? Notional risk, bankroll management, expectancy, risk-adjusted return, right? Those are all things that are kind of baked into the entire setup of the strategy, right? You know, why would why do we credit target? You know, why do we use stops? Why do we use profit targets? Why do we look at the book size, level one risk? All of these things are just, you know, as we go through those episodes, and I realized at some point that I've kind of made up my own terms or used jargon that isn't commonly associated, you know, in, in kind of the finance space or trading. And so th I know that leads to some confusion as well. But really, when it's all said and done, when you look back, right, if you've gone from start to finish and can execute and plan out your size, your return target, credit targeting, and you look back and you've really applied a lot of these concepts, right? You're learning about bankroll management. You're learning about calculating expectancy. You're learning about how to look at risk-adjusted return because you don't want a size too large, right? And basically... You want to target a return and looking at the test, you kind of know the expected drawdowns, at least historically. And so that's kind of the why. 
But going back to the topic at hand, which is you know the title of this episode, where do I see something like Theta Engine on a spectrum between and now this this term <laughs> passively active investing, and so I think something that happens is oftentimes people are when they look at a concept they go to the extremes right I've talked about for example an approach using stocks or options right and sometimes it seems like you have to go all in right. Uh, if I'm gonna be a stock person, I'm gonna be a day trader. I'm gonna trade equities. I don't do options. Or if I'm gonna do options, it's all about leverage and credit spreads. And I don't trade stock because stock is, you know, not capital efficient or whatever. Which I've shown that that's not the case, right? And the whole point of return stacking, one way is just to combine them, right? Right? Stocks are margin more. You can hold a core portfolio. Doesn't have to be all long. You, you know, recently I've gotten into a lot of. Uh, different ideas of, of stacking different assets and rebalancing. But the idea is you can, you know, margin equity and use that as a collateral to trade your options and really blend the approach, okay? And so it's not this kind of discrete thing where it's one or the other. There's really a continuum. Now, what I see is this continuum is the same for passive investing and active and, I guess, trading, right? Note that I didn't even say trading. I call it passively active investing, right? And I'll get to why in a second. But on the one hand, passive investing, buy and hold, there's no time spent. You don't do anything. You just buy and buy and buy and you just wait and you have a 30-year time horizon. And at the end of the day, you hope that you make more, you know, your your account's worth more than you started with, right? And an active trading, right? And, And people might think of this as day trading or just on the other extreme where you're always at the screen, you're always looking at charts. You're always looking for opportunities, right? With Tasty Trade, for example, they're always talk, looking about looking for different underlines, trying to scan for high IVR, and always trying to, you know, almost like you know, hunting for the kill. Always looking for that next opportunity, and it's really engaging, really active, right? And that's on the other end of the spectrum. And you know, there can be something in between, right? And honestly, for me, I see Theta Engine really more closer to the passive investing side than the active trading side, right? It's still not all the way to passive because obviously you're doing something, right? And in fact, you're putting on a trade every day. <clears throat> but think about it. Like I had that one episode, uh, you know, the trendy system workflow where I talked about what the daily workflow is going to be like. And you find your 15 delta, you put on the trade, you set your bracket. If you want to do bomb shelter, you put on bomb shelter. If you want to do vibranium, sure, you put that on. But really the act of trading is minutes, right? Two minutes, three minutes. For me personally, obviously entering the trade is like seconds, right? Putting on the stop, putting on the bracket, that's maybe another minute or two. And then I, I've joked about this before. I spend more time logging trades and kind of looking at past data than I do actually trading, right? And so, again, there's no screen watching. There's no looking at charts. There's no analyzing. And so that's why I think this approach is more similar to on the spectrum is closer to passive, you know, investing. Um, and, and, and in some respects, right, if you decide to not, you know, carry a core portfolio and just use Stata Engine as purely a stock replacement, right, instead of buying S&P, right, you can, because Stata Engine uses SPY and, or SPX or ES, that can be more an alternative to your market exposure. And I've shown in some instances that, you get a better risk-adjusted return, right? You can get the same potential long-term return, um, even accounting for taxes, right? With a lower drawdown, 
right? Or potentially, if you want to go for the higher return, you can have a higher return than the market, but have similar drawdowns as the market, right? And so that comes back to one more concept, which is the return on time. A lot of people focus on, you know, obviously you want to make money, right? P&L, performance, return, right? And then people talk about return on capital because if we're talking about trying to size between different strategies, how much capital to allocate, um, and that's kind of one way to size it. But I haven't really heard people talk about return on time, right? And going back to if, if I can trade full-time and I'm spending eight hours a day and I can make 50% return on my account. That's great, right? That's awesome. But if I can spend a minute a day and I can make 5% or even 2% return, like that's not necessarily worse, right? Because we're return on X, right? There's a numerator and a denominator, right? The returns in the numerator and the denominator, if it's time, right? And I'm only spending seconds or minutes then that return, you know, that ratio is very good, right? And if you think about it, like uh, some some skepticism that, you know, I've heard voices like this approach is like, why should you be able to do something without putting in so much effort? Or why is there any edge? Or why is there an ability to make a return above risk-free or just buy and hold? And, and, the, and the next one, this one's valid. Like, now I've called... You know, on the trading page, right, data engines called it an income strategy. So in a sense, that may be maybe setting the wrong expectations, but I still believe it to be true. But really, it's maybe more like supplemental income, right? Something you can do on the side and have some long-term expectancy, right? Because if you're really trading for income, like you want to be a full-time trader, this may not be the right approach, right? At least not to the, like, this shouldn't be the only thing you do. Right, because the idea of PCR, you know, premium capture, it's true. If I know that I'm gonna capture, you know, long term, my expectation is 25% of my premium. Right, so I, if I sell hundred thousand dollars, I'll make a twenty-five thousand. Right, now, I've mentioned this before. Then you budget for that. Right, on a good year, you make may make way more than twenty-five percent. So you set that aside, and what you set aside will pad the losers in the next year. Because if I make fifty percent PCR one year, that's double my expectancy. I can make 0% next year, but if I've set aside a 25%, I've budgeted, right? Now, that's that's all fine and dandy, except if you happen to start on a year that's flat or negative expectancy, then you're stuck, right? You made no money, you're in the hole. So obviously, this is not something you want to take and be like, I want to quit my job now and go day trade and be a full-time trader and I'm going to run TE, right? It, it could work out if your timing is good, but if your timing is not good, then you're going to be in big trouble, right? And, and so this may not necessarily be something you want to just take and just go all out on. But if you think of it as something as, hey, I have this capital and I want to do something a little bit smarter, a little bit more sophisticated than just buy and hold and I have this capital and hey, if I can generate you know, X percent on return and if that fits your needs and the time requirement, you know that, that may be fine, right? So to really think about what the approaches and kind of the philosophy and again taking an approach like data engine having learned all of these concepts right the leverage the bankroll management the expectancy that allows you to kind of be more informed about other things that i'm hoping that it gives you a different perspective and you view other strategies with a different lens now right and i mentioned this before 
well, maybe I haven't, but you know, in the Discord, right? There's people who basically stopped doing data engine because they learned the ideas, but they took these concepts and plotted other stuff, right? They applied a zero DTE, for example. Or there's people who've modified, right? They've taken the concepts, but they use it on different strategies. Or there's people who have gone all out data engine, no core. There's people who have done the the core plus data engine approach, and and essentially just like anything else, you can, this is just a tool, right? And you can take it and use it for whatever suits your needs. But as long as you're clear on what your needs are, right? And then with the strategy, what are the advantages? What are the risks? And how do you size it or modify it to fit your needs? And so again, that is kind of the idea of uh, why I've thought about framing this this way, right? <clears throat> if you have a good return on time, then you don't need to necessarily focus on how much you can make. Right. If you just want to have something running in the background and or maybe you just want to trade other stuff, too. But you can have this as one piece and it takes very little time. If you do it right on portfolio margin, especially with the bomb shelter, the way that's um, the margin works, it takes very little capital. I've said you could make potentially 50, 60, 100 percent return on capital. <laughs> Fair warning. It doesn't mean leverage your account and try to double your account. Right. Return on capital is just a concept. It's it's just something. It's like a benchmark to use. It doesn't mean just because return on capital is high to go all out on something. Right? That that's always going to be the case. Um, and so a high ROC strategy, and this could just be one piece of your puzzle. And lastly, you know the thing with uh, something like data engine, and I think maybe uh, going back to the skepticism or the point about something with very little effort or whatever, and being able to have expectancy. There is a lot of effort in Theta Engine. It's just the, the effort is in the learning, right? Uh, once you've gone through the content, you know, if you're a new to options, this could take you, I don't know, 50 hours to get caught up to be able to confidently analyze, size, and implement, right? And if you're very advanced with options, and that's the hard part. You got the options knowledge. You have that. Then just learning the concepts and framing it the way I do it with some of the terms that you may not be used to, that may not take very long. Some people just listen to what I've had to say and kind of just clicks and then they take the, the little nuggets or the little learnings they have and they apply it to either data engine or something else. And so that's kind of what I see the purpose of the podcast uh, and why I predominantly kind of teach the theta engine trinity as the as the main system right um so anyways i hope that helps uh it helps you kind of more properly set the expectations of you know whether or not this is something you want to do something that's not worth your time but at least you know kind of the approach and why i do things a certain way and why i emphasize certain aspects okay Anyways, like I said, hope that helped. And uh, for today, let's leave it there. As always, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also visit my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com where you will find all of the strategy mechanics and trade logs as well as various essays I've written and other podcasts that I recommend. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter at The Trade Buster. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.